to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to be discussing Ashland, Oregon. It's going to be all about live theater and what I think is just the importance of it. If you're interested in the arts, if you like theater, if you just like to watch people performing at a high level, Ashland, Oregon is a great place. You have the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I recently went with my family. We had a blast. The kids had a great time. Me and my wife and my in-laws had a great time. And it's just a very fun, fun experience. And so on this podcast, I discussed some of the plays that I watched. Twelfth Night gets the most attention because I really did a deep dive into Twelfth Night before watching it. And that really taught me something. If you are interested in seeing a play, if you immerse yourself in the ideas, the concepts, the writings, you're really going to have a, a blast going to see the live performance. It just adds to the whole experience. So I discussed that. I talked a little bit about Romeo and Juliet and the Three Musketeers and uh, what I thought about those plays and just about Ashland in general and what the, the festival is like because you have this amazing outdoor theater. And if you haven't been to an outdoor theater, you're missing out. And Ashland's the place to see one. This is modeled after a theater from 1599. So this is like Shakespeare's time. And it is so communal, so historic. You are really immersed in that historical feel. And I discussed that on this episode of the Classics Podcast. So I was just planning on doing the Jon Stewart podcast this week. But I thought, you know what? I should discuss this Ashland trip because it was such a special trip for me and I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Classics Podcast. Thanks for listening. And I say this at the end of this podcast episode, but I do want to thank the listeners because John and I have reached over a hundred episodes and we would have never thought that we would reach that milestone at the beginning. But because of the listeners, we've been able to do that. And we really, really appreciate how you've shared the podcast with other individuals because at the beginning John and I were like you know we're not going to do this podcast if there's no audience and there is an audience and that is it makes us feel good because it's like oh okay someone wants to hear what we're saying and we really are grateful for that and for uh, how you have helped us spread this podcast so thank you for that and I hope you appreciate this episode on Ashland Oregon and the Shakespeare Festival Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. Today, I want to discuss my trip to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and just in general, the importance of live theater. So if you're interested in the arts, and I know many of you are, you listen to this podcast, and probably many podcasts that are involved in the arts, I just think that going to a professional live theater production is a good idea. I haven't been to Ashland, Oregon, where the, they have the festival, in nearly a decade. But I won't make that mistake again because it's such an amazing experience and there is this outdoor theater which is modeled actually after the fortune theater in england which was built in 1599 so they modeled this theater 
after a theater in 1599. So that's pretty historic and I just think amazing to do. And that's the highlight to me, this this wonderful outdoor theater. I went to three shows, two of them at the outdoor theater and one indoor. And looking back, it's all about that that experience of being you know, with the with the sky when it's like, you know, the sun is still shining and then the, stu- the sun sets because they do these shows really late around 8 p.m. And it's just such an amazing experience to go from sunlight to to darkness, but with the play still performing. It's a very, very, very amazing experience. And I, I really do recommend it if you're into the arts. Now, I was on a website that was describing the theater and they use this word that really does sum up what it feels like and they said it's it's a communal vibe and it's totally a communal vibe before you go into the theater there's music playing the audience is there listening and then everyone's entering getting food and drinks and it's such a communal experience that i do think i associate with being outdoors and sort of this shared experience of fellow theater lovers and so that's that's a really special thing to experience if you're into the arts now, it just feels like, and this is what I love about it, it feels like a time machine. You know, you're experiencing what it was like to go to a show during the 1600s, let's say, during Shakespeare's time. And that is an amazing atmosphere, just a one-of-a-kind experience. I actually spoke to a woman who volunteers to help raise money for the uh, the Shakespeare Festival in Oregon. She's a retired teacher, and she's clearly passionate about this festival, which is basically a year-long festival. It's not like one of those two, three-week things. It's really throughout the year. I think it's 10 months out of the year or something like that. Well, she used this phrase that I just loved. She said, this place reeks of history. And I just thought that was really funny because I was talking about my love of history and my wife's love of history. And that was her response. You know, this place just reeks of history. And that's completely true. You know, in that way or in... In in a way, it's it's sort of like the Charles Dickens Fair that I've referenced before on this podcast, or maybe even the Ren Fair, where it's just such an immersive historical approach to entertainment. And it's not like it's not Disney, it's not commercial, it's just genuine, authentic, artistic exp- expression that's rooted in in history. So now I went to three shows, Twelfth Night. The Three Musketeers, and Romeo and Juliet. My favorite, which I'll talk the most about because it was my favorite, was Twelfth Night. And I didn't know much about Twelfth Night going into this. So one of my experiences was just reading about the play. You know, it's it's based on the Twelfth Night of Christmas where, I guess according to legend, the world is sort of in almost like a Halloween-like way if you study the history of Halloween. The world is is turned upside down. So think about social status, rich versus poor, relationships, that, that sort of thing. So Twelfth Night is also about, it's about a few things. One of them is the absurdity of love and how people tend to fall into this like, it's kind of, it's comedic, so it's a comedy. So they fall into a depression, into delusion, irrationality because of love. I mean, everyone's been there. And that's the thing, of course, you know, it's Shakespeare. He's talking about universal experiences. That's why people still love Shakespeare. doesn't matter how many centuries go by. 
he wrote about universal experiences that go beyond the politics of the day. And because of that, people are interested. They're, they're fascinated. They're absorbed in these stories. So actually, I read the modern English version of the play before watching it. And when I first did this, I was thinking, you know, is this going to really help me understand the play? I don't want to just show up to a play and not know what's going on because it's old English. But you know what? It's kind of crazy, but I understood pretty much every scene because I read the modern version. And my wife, she watched it with me and she was a little lost. So that was enough for me. Also, I saw Romeo and Juliet later. We just kind of decided last minute to watch Romeo and Juliet. And I didn't brush up on the modern English version. I didn't have any time. And I didn't didn't understand much of that. So that definitely told me, and if you're listening and you're going to see something, you know, Shakespeare, you may already know this, but I think brushing up on just the modern English version, wow, it's such an important thing to do. It really helps you process what's going on and really understand the scenes that you're watching. Now, one fascinating part of Twelfth Night was the role of the fool. The fool is just an interesting character in general. Typically, the fool is an essential part of, of Shakespeare's plays. So it's like you have this fool character who is this comedian. And here I, I did a little bit of a deep dive, a very, very brief one. Maybe I shouldn't say deep dive, just a very shallow dive into uh, the fool in Shakespeare's plays. Turns out, Maybe some of you know this, but the fool is an actual job or you could say a role slash job that people had in aristocratic families during Shakespeare's time. So the, my little spark, spark notes deep dive mentioned that like the fool was sort of a uh, comedian and therapist in families when issues would arise. I can't even think of a comparison in our society. I just discussed John Stewart just yesterday. I don't usually do back-to-back podcasts, but I just wanted to write about Ashland and talk about it. So here it is. But I just did the Jon Stewart podcast yesterday, and he definitely, in my opinion, played that full role, the dual comedian slash therapist for the society. But again, his was on a societal level in the early 2000s and early 2010s. But the actual fool in our households I, I don't think that any we have that, right? I cannot think of a, a modern comparison. By the way, if you're really interested in this topic, a man named William Kemp, K-E-M-P-E, William Kemp, he was the actual fool that was playing during Shakespeare's time. And some say that he actually wrote the roles and performed them. We know he performed them, but then there's also this idea that he wrote the the parts as well. So it's kind of interesting, right? You know, the little footnotes in history where you think someone like Shakespeare's writing it, of course, Shakespeare wrote most of it, but maybe, you know, he had assistants also who we tend to forget about. I always think those little footnotes are are, are fascinating to, to learn about and understand because it really does teach about the nuance of, of, of stories, of history, of life in general. Okay, back to the play. Twelfth Night actually made the fool into a singer. And I just, actually, I love this. Now, the actor who played the fool is, uh, her, her name is Ariel Crosby. And I wanted to mention her because she was just amazing. Her voice, her acting, just the singing was re- remarkable. A phenomenal performance. And another standout performance from Twelfth Night 
was the Malvolia char- Malvolio character, and that was from Al As- Espinoza. Al Espinoza, he just had an excellent performance. Really standing ovation afterwards, right, for, for him. Well, Malvolio, the, the character he was playing, is a really, really interesting character if you're interested in looking at history. So for the history fans of this podcast, he is playing a Puritan. Now, during this time, the Puritans were taking over England. They were actually in control of London, so they had power centers in England. So when Shakespeare was writing this, Malvolio's puritanical rigidity, it really does serve as one of the few, if you look back, it serves as one of the few artistic critiques of Puritanism during the 17th century. So you have this, I guess you could say Shakespeare was really focusing on a uh, playfulness on one end and, you know, joy, enjoying life versus puritanical rigidity. And this conflict, you could say the, 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 the playfulness was represented by Sir Toby in, in the, of the arist- aristocracy. Well, this was real, right? In the real world, the Puritans really did want to shut down the theater so you could see why Shakespeare didn't like them because he would have been out of a livelihood if the Puritans came to power. And in fact, when they did come to power, the, one of the first things they did was shut down the theater. And when they lost power, one of the first things the king did, I think it was one of the King Charles, King Charles, I think, he reinstated the theater. So this was a, a big part of the politics of this era. And this play is a remnant of that historical legacy. So I learned a lot of this, by the way. If you go on uh, YouTube, there's a lecture series called Shakespeare and Politics. It's available on YouTube. And I want to just cite my source there. The professor gives really, really good insight into what was going on during this time. And I have to say, if you really want to enjoy a play like Shakespeare, the more you immerse yourself in it and understanding the history of it, whether it's through lecture series, through reading the play, obviously, and just reading the little notes about it, and there's so many resources online now, it it does make the play more enjoyable because you feel as if you understand it in a very, very deep way. And I recommend approaching live theater in that way. I think it does influence how you, just the enjoyment level of it in general. So the last two plays I saw were The Three Musketeers and Romeo and Juliet. I really liked The Three Musketeers, which was clearly, and you could say a little bit too much, but it was clearly influenced by Hamilton. Perhaps derivative, if you're going to critique it, which I will slightly do. I do think that, you know, when you're watching a play and you're, you're, you're reflecting on it, thinking, oh, this is just like Hamilton, that's probably not a good thing. But I think Hamilton must have influenced many, many plays since its success. I I do believe that was a model many viewed as just the formulaic approach to how we should do theater now. And so it had a little bit of that, but it told the story of Alexander Dumas, Dumas, and uh, Dumas was of mixed race. So he's the author of The Three Musketeers. So this was kind of like, this was different than just telling The Three Musketeers story. There was that, but there was also this, dialogue that Dumas is giving the audience about his father. His father was of mixed race and the purpose of, and and Dumas was as well. 
and the purpose of writing the Three Musketeers was to acknowledge his father's contribution to Napoleon's army and to give him some recognition, which, according to the play, he didn't receive because he's he, he was black. And I definitely want to delve more into that story because I've never heard about that before. And the way we present the Three Musketeers is as if it's a, just a European story, when in fact it's not. I didn't know that. And so that was that was really good. And, and, and the play itself, while it was derivative at times, it was also very good. I laughed a lot. I enjoyed it. Romeo and Juliet, not my favorite. I don't want to criticize it too much, but it just it did make me it did make me want to read a modern translation of it, which I am doing right now. I read Romeo and Juliet in high school, but I forgot it. So I am currently reading a modern translation of it. And that's one of the beautiful things about theater. It gets you to deep dive into things that you didn't think you would. So whether it's Alexander Dumas' story or Romeo and Juliet or Malvolio and the Puritan leg, the, the Puritan history that Shakespeare was reflecting on and criticizing, I would never have done that if it wasn't for you know this experience at the at the theater. So I'll finish with this. There was this elephant in the room in Ashland in general, and that was involving the direction that the plays have taken over the last few years, basically politics and the plays in general and how they're being performed. So on one side, you have an argument for inclusion, of minorities, which was clear, clearly, and I think in a nice way, there was a lot of inclusion of different minority groups in the plays. On the other side, you have this desire for more Shakespeare, so from the traditionalists. It's a fascinating discussion and debate. It hit the national media a little bit. I do, you know, you can go look it, look it up. You can see actually both sides of the story if you look into what was going on. But this conflict, it's clearly deep and it led to the resignation of the artistic director it's a story we see often and i'm always fascinated by how our culture wars are reflected in different ways but i will say this whether it was 10 years ago when i saw the taming of the shrew and into the woods or today when i saw 12th night three musketeers romeo and juliet the acting is always top-notch the history is always immersive and the theater itself is just beautiful so ashland is a wonderful place if you haven't seen live theater in Ashland before, I definitely recommend it. And while the story, like if you read the New York Times story, the artistic director, she actually received death threats for her approach, which is absurd. I mean, you can disagree without, I mean, that's crazy. But at the, and at the same time, you could see that there was a lot of frustration where people were, it almost seemed like boycotting going to the, the new plays because it wasn't Shakespeare enough. It wasn't what the traditionalists had wanted. We'll see what it turns into. Like I said, I am fascinated by how we see culture wars in different places at different times. Personally, I enjoyed it 10 years ago. I enjoyed it today. I, I think it is important to just appreciate live theater for what it is. The acting is just amazing. I was telling my wife, a lot of times we look at Hollywood, for example, and we think, oh, that's like the best acting. Honestly, whether it's, you know, in New York or or going to festivals like this, the a lot of times the best acting, in my opinion, is just these live theater shows with these actors who are, that's their job is to do theater. The acting is just at another level if you've never experienced it. 
And oftentimes the writing is as well. So hopefully you check out a live performance if you haven't. And uh, look up Ashland, Oregon, and, and look up how like beautiful the, uh, the actual theater is. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I just did John Stewart yesterday and now uh, the Ashland, Oregon one today. So I appreciate it. Please share it with a friend. I just noticed that we passed, John and I passed 100 episodes. And that's really special for us. So uh, I didn't realize it. I knew we were reaching it. But the, the Steph Curry episode, I believe, was the 100th episode. And so that's really cool because part of the first reason why we did this podcast is for John and I to continue our friendship because he moved away. But also, it's a creative outlet for both of us. And so part of that is having an audience. I, I remember one of the things we discussed at the beginning was, what if we have no audience? And we do have an audience. This podcast is now top 10% most um, shared internationally. And we are so proud of that because it's because of you. You're sharing it and we appreciate that. So this podcast wouldn't be what it is without the listeners. And we so appreciate consistently sharing the podcast and just, you know, giving us those five-star ratings, which is part of what attracts people to the podcast. So thank you again for helping us reach 100 episodes. I appreciate it. I'll see you next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.